0: Sports professor Riccardo, and we are on the record. Every week, this podcast will take you inside the $1.3 trillion business of sports, the top deal making issues, the top tech issues, and the top social responsibility issues, plus a blockbuster interview with someone who you might not have heard from in the world of sports, but having a profound effect on its impact. Let's get started. Sports professor Rick Carr, inside the $1.3 trillion business of sports. And we are clearly heading toward an amazing period where all the sports converge within a week of each other. U.S. Tennis Open, NASCAR's Playoff, end of golf's Playoffs, beginning of the college and pro football season, NHL, NBA practice, and beyond. It's a big time. And we're celebrating with the deal making issues. Three to one. Three. Number three. Yankee Stadium upgrades 5G connectivity for their T Mobile customers. They've expanded their partnership with T Mobile and 5G for fans on their phones at Yankee Stadium. T Mobile customers with 5G enabled devices can now connect to the company's ultra capacity 5G network while seated in select sections at Yankee Stadium. Fans can use their network to share high resolution photos, live stream video on their phones, It speeds up to 10 times faster than 4G. Former Yankee greats Hideki Matsui and Bernie Williams featured in a flyover drone video of Yankee Stadium that was post-produced on mobile's T-Mobile 5G network and uploaded to the team's YouTube. T-Mobile expects to add more 5G enhancements to Yankee Stadium for 2023. They've been a longtime sponsor of the Yankees, Worked together last year to provide free internet connected devices to 11,000 students in the Bronx and more on the way. Two UFC fights show foresight with 4D site adding virtual ads in the octagon. They begin a pilot program in virtual advertising 4D sites to digitally overlay sponsor branding into the octagon during streams on UFC Fight Pass. Alan Cohen, UFC's SVP of research and development, said technologies are upstream and use sensors attached to cameras. The downstream solution is needed, one that could place logos on the octagon canvas during broadcast level solutions. Certainly they're trying. And 4D Sight, the only platform that could provide that technology, proud to work with them to produce the first of its kind development, they say, look for it very soon. One Now, number one. Bally Sports Plus, available to all markets for the 2023 NBA-NHL season. Beginning September 26, in time for the NHL and NBA season, those who live in any of the 19 markets served by Bally Sports can now choose to subscribe to the direct-to-consumer service instead of a cable or streaming bundle. Detroit, Kansas City, Miami, Tampa, Wisconsin – And the Sinclair Broadcast Group, introducing virtual control rooms last summer, acquired what used to be the collection of Fox Sports RSNs in 2019, rebranded them to Bally. And a subsidiary of Sinclair, Diamond Sports Group's the operator of Bally Sports Plus. Look for more of that as well. And the regional sports networks are a great segue into our guest because one of the big ones is Missouri, Mid-America, the blues as a staple especially after and during their stanley cup and one of the people who's the architect of all of that is chris zimmerman ceo business ops for the st louis blues since june 16 2014 but he's much more than that a veteran of sachi and sachi he handled accounts advertising and deal making for p&g nabisco wendys and others he was really important for us heading into the fedex cup final the GM of Nike Golf from 1995, and he was the North American Advertising Director, 2020 and 2000. Obviously, Gia, the uh, 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 Nike Golf, the general manager, included Tiger in the PGA Tour. He understands what it's like to handle a superstar. He's with the Vancouver Canucks from 2006, 2009, NHL Business Advisory Council, Bauer Hockey before that and sports around that he certainly got a skill set that transcends a particular sport not to mention a great success in 2019 when he uh, was uh, personally involved he would say I would say in game seven of the Stanley Cup the Blues certainly were winning that Stanley Cup and leading the league in retail transactions then and before so without further ado a friend Certainly someone to give us some perspective on all sports, golf, hockey, and otherwise. Here's Chris Zimmerman. He's the CEO of Business Ops um, for the St. Louis Blues, the, the previously Stanley Cup champion, uh, St. Louis Blues in 2019. Um, and he's been that since June 16, 2014. So you got the call and your life flashed before your eyes. Do you consider it kind of a culmination of all of your career honors to date, just another challenge? What, what was your reaction?
1: You know, a lot of it was about challenge and opportunity. Um, you know, typically you don't get those calls when everything is going great with the business. And um, so I guess I, I do feel a little bit like, Many of the situations that I've um, and opportunities I've had have come up on businesses that needed, you know, some care and 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 at times some rework. And, um, yeah, the the story of the blues, that was part of the attraction and quite honestly, part of uh, why there was an opportunity as well.
0: Well, and part of that, obviously, whether it's a turnaround equity guy or whether it's a, uh, an m and uh, guy at a law firm, the turnaround technique isn't for the faint of heart. I mean, you have to come in and you have to make some hard decisions. But you grew up in the advertising space where you were creative. And I would say usually in Saatchi and Saatchi is one of the big ones. That's where you cut your teeth. Uh, and your clients, obviously, included P&G and, 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 and Nabisco and Wendy, so big guys. But not really deal-making as much as creative persuasion. I know there's a difference, but how did your training kind of uh, equip you to do what you're doing now?
1: Yeah, I you know, I value my time in the advertising business greatly. Um, I think of a lot of it really as establishing the foundation of much of what I've done throughout my career. And and by that, a lot of it was really understanding the basics of building brands. And um, as you mentioned, getting to work with Procter & Gamble and Wendy's Nabisco, you know, these were sort of very you know, big time consumer brands that <clears throat> had really talented people working at them. And, and it really, it challenged uh, me or, or helped me build, I think, a lot of core competencies about understanding um, both brand strategy, the role of communication, um, and all of that to say that essentially it's about building relationships and creating a business that people trust and value and those fundamental principles i think have been well i don't think i know have really been core to what i've been doing um, as i move from communications into into more of leadership and and into certainly the sports world
0: well, the communications leadership, we know uh, there's nobody better uh, at doing what you're doing as far as brand building. But it's interesting you would begin with communications and 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 sports. Uh, you felt that you were equipped to uh, evolve into the sports world. Uh, clearly, we we'll talked about Nike golf and, and 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 Bauer and, you know, you got golf, you got hockey, uh, but it doesn't require or does it? The substantive knowledge of the individual sport as much as the kind of traits consistent with brand building leadership and knowing your audience
1: yeah no i've i i have always felt that um you know the again the those fundamentals of of building brands um, translate really well and that yeah i could pick up if you will a move into different um, sports, um, whether it was working on um, things with U.S. soccer and particularly the U.S. women's soccer team right. in, the, in the early days um, at Nike, getting involved um, pre some of his challenges with uh, Lance Armstrong and some of the things we did with him. It, it Obviously, you get to know the athlete, you start to learn, but but you you. It's not about necessarily the depth of I have to be the um, if you will the sports specific or industry specific expert, but I need to translate the fundamentals of um, building a core strategy and differentiating, and and really importantly understanding how to build uh, relationships with with a consumer. Did
0: you ever think so? The reason why the Lance Armstrong and the women's soccer team is important in the career, just to kind of put a milepost on it. From '95, uh, I guess, to 2000, you were with Nike, but the North American advertising director. So you had the diversity of all of those sports. But then in 2000, uh, so a quick start 2000, you you took over Nike Golf. So you know, I'm watching the Masters, uh, and we're watching CBS Sports, and I wasn't prepared to see Chris Zimmerman talk about Nike and Tiger, but there he was. It made slash altered my day. That was huge. So talk about the evolution of you and Tiger and Nike.
1: Well, it's interesting. So Tiger, um, he um, he, w- he won his last U.S. Amateur at Pumpkin Ridge Golf Course, his third, uh, US am- third consecutive U.S. Amateur. Um, Pumpkin Ridge is 20, 25 minutes from the Nike campus. And um, obviously he was, um, people were ready for him to turn pro after after that tournament. And Nike was working to be poised um, to start to build a relationship with Tiger. And so um, from from day one essentially of him becoming a nike athlete i was first got to work with him first in the role uh heading up our north american advertising and then as you mentioned in 2000 four years after he signed with us um, i moved over um, to take on the general management role with nike golf i got to see an athlete and and Really, one of the great global iconic athletes of our time. I, I really got to watch him evolve professionally, on the business level, uh, in terms of his his profile, and um, it was uh, as you can imagine. It was a it was a fascinating ride. Certainly, as we all know, <laughs> as time went on. Not a straight line, um, but his impact, um, obviously, on the sport um, and how other players play, how other players train, all of that. um, I got a front row seat, too.
0: Uh, Tiger, as a focusing businessman, entrepreneur, uh, give me your perceptions of Tiger in the boardroom.
1: Well, it's it's interesting because when, when we Nike, I, I'll use the we, um, when we signed him, you know, you have a young man who people had known from a very early age that he was going to be something very special. And, you know, the role his father played was um, obviously also an important one. But when when he came to Nike, um, he really had, he and um, I believe it was Hughes Norton was his first agent um, at IMG. There was a clear view that this athlete had the opportunity to be the next Jordan. And a lot of their uh, Tiger and IMG's thinking was about building a brand around Tiger Woods. And um, so it was, that was a really an interesting element of the relationship that we developed. Um, At times there was conflict. Uh, I remember um, some of the conversations that I had and maybe almost, heated conversations about the tiger brand and the nike brand and we were going to help build the tiger brand but he was also he was definitely a nike athlete and and, um, that was a critical expectation as well
0: any arguments you had forget hughes because you can handle him uh or or steinberg uh were there any arguments with tiger that uh what was the box score did you win more than you lost
1: Oh, I'm going to go with, I think it worked out pretty well um, for both of us. I, I I kind of laugh because when um, I see him in a major, um, still he is still the strategy that, that we agreed to, whatever, 25 years ago, was that he'd wear his brand, the Tiger brand, on the front of his cap the first two days, and then the, on Saturday and Sunday, he'd wear swoosh so I guess um, that feels like a deal that's worked out pretty well for everybody
0: and ladies and gentlemen you know he's uh, Zimmerman's humble Uh, but that's not Tiger that's the Chris Zimmerman uh, major uh, outfit that Tiger is just you know renting until the next superstar comes along I think is probably the argument Uh, all right so that you know everybody you know I'm kidding now we're making a transition We're into the Canucks, and it's 06-09. You become a member of the NHL Business Advisory Council. You cut your teeth with the Canucks. You do Bauer hockey, because Nike and Bauer are intertwined. Uh, Easton Sports, then the Kings. And before we get into the Blues, because you're also involved with the Peabody Opera House, as far as the Blues establishment, there's more diversity on your resume than I've ever seen what is that skill set that allows you to transcend particular sports or projects and be successful uh, generically?
1: You know, I think over time, I mean, listen, I've, I've been incredibly fortunate to get all these, you know, from, really from the day I left the advertising business, I feel like I've had a series of dream jobs. I've gotten to um, work professionally in a sport that you know, hockey that I played in college, Um, you know, behind me is, you know, that shot of uh, the team with the Stanley Cup. Um, I've had all these um, really amazing experiences and been able to move into different zones. I think over time, um, a lot of it is about thinking about what it takes to build uh, an organization and build a culture um, that is focused um, that has a clear strategy that is focused on on doing the things to build really a team atmosphere. I always say I've said been saying for years. You know, you always get into these things. You run a company and it's siloed and people don't get along. I've always said that all of this is about is about team sport. And how well you're able to align um, leadership teams, you know, align different functions and get people into the sense that um, this is about creating something special. And some of it's about the output, but the other side of it is also about what's it feel like to come into work every day.
0: And obviously you instill that on your employees as well. So fast forward to 2019, June, whatever and it's game seven, is that, oh, you, well, how do you remember that day? Uh, <laughs> yeah, no. pull out of the air. All right, so it's June 12th, 2019. Um, it, it, do you still look back at that as, as one of the most uh, amazing kind of business days of your life? Describe that
1: day. Yeah, it's interesting. So um, we got up on the Bruins um, in the series three to two and, and um, came home to St. Louis to play game six with the chance to win the cup. And I believe, let's see, um, 19, yeah. So that was the 52nd season for the St. Louis Blues had, at, at that point had not won the Stanley Cup. And so our city, our fan base, the expectations around winning game six and what it costs to get into the building and the street parties and all of those things, there could never have been more anticipation for a game and an expectation really for a victory and a party that night. I, I just can't imagine it being any stronger anywhere. And we lost that night. And then we go into Boston for game seven and, you know, I, it was a really interesting day and, and a feeling because there had been on everybody, the players, you know, you have family coming into town, demands on tickets, all those things. And it, it, there was this sense that we actually, we got this, that, that, even though it would mean winning three games in Boston Garden against a great Bruin team, that we had the ability to do that, and and you know that first period of that game, we um, we were back on our heels, and and a goaltender named Jordan Bennington really kept us in that game, and um, we eventually got out ahead of the Bruins, and yeah, I don't I don't even think of it as a business or sports experience—it's just you know—it's one of those amazing life experiences of of all the the joy and all that's been accomplished for all the people um, that are in our sort of blues universe, and um, that's a pretty rewarding feeling.
0: Well, especially since you've carried the hopes and dreams of a city for damn near half a century people would remember Bobby Orr crashing the net and dashing the blues. And that was 69, I think it was, whatever it was. It was a long time ago and obviously to be commended. So then the pandemic hits and you conduct a season which was like none other, I'm sure. And now we're, I guess some would say, fully, partially recovered. What was the biggest lesson you learned from the pandemic?
1: The biggest lesson, I think one of them was that um, we just, I, I, I told our, our team fairly early in that process that we just had to be exceptionally um, flexible. Um, we had to recognize that our planning was going to really probably be in, in weeks uh not months and and the um ability to to sort of go through that and and maybe some of it was about how we communicated and and trying to be as um transparent um in a way that was different we like many companies were doing most of our business um you know, the team was obviously they're going up to the bubble or whatever they were doing. But in terms of running the business, um, it was largely on Zoom. And we actually we increased our communication and, and our points of contact way beyond what we do under. If you will, typical circumstances. And, and again, I think just an honesty around where we were, how people felt um, and and trying to, um, you know, create some normalcy at, at a time where there was nothing normal about what we were doing.
0: Well, and you came out of it very well. And one of the things that's happened with your business is Enterprise Center, a significant public private partnership deal that you spearheaded And as you know, these things are not easy. They don't happen overnight. You also coupled with uh, this with the Maryland Heights uh, practice facility, which there's only one of these in a 500-mile neighborhood. I remember in the early days when you were chasing this, it doesn't happen automatically. You had the ability to deal with the willing government. But, you know, give me your sense of how uh, the, the kind of preeminent Reason that you were able to pull off uh, not only the public-private partnership there, but also the you know the ICE facility, which will uh, is almost as important in a number of other contexts.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. When I came here, um, I'd never really had any done any work around government relations, lobbying, any of those things. my my other roles just hadn't really had that kind of a demand. And so I certainly um, didn't have, um, I didn't have any expertise quite honestly. Um, And so when we um, began to realize the needs first of renovating the enterprise center, which at the time was 20 years into it and Quite honestly, it was a really tired building that needed a dramatic facelift. And um, so we first worked with, um, to get city support. And then we went to the state and there were county relationships. Um, biggest learning? Well, a couple of things. One is <laughs> find really good people um, that that have done this and, and can guide you and and. And and really find the best people in that those zones, and we had some really great partners that we brought in. And then the other piece is just a need for incredible patience, and, and just believe, and really believing that that you know these facilities are game. That that the benefits that we can bring to our communities, and that we can show economic. Um, payback and benefit from our ability to attract events and bring visitors here. And we just had to stay at that storytelling, quite honestly, to help um, public officials embrace us. And then it's also them realizing that, I I don't know, I think, if you will, sort of an authenticity and um, honesty around our requests and, and what our needs are you know i think all of those things you know built the credibility that eventually got us these these facilities where we need them to be
0: here's my tip although it's very late you don't need it anymore because you've got a building one facility development year is like seven dog years uh you know you, you do five of these and you're ready to go into the next life they're not easy as you know congratulations for getting that done couple more issues on the future of the game Engagement, social media, fan experience, uh, gambling, NFTs, uh, new currency. I'm lumping them all together because they're all things that we wouldn't have believed would have happened six, seven, eight years ago. But now they're critical to the growth of the game. You know, give me your perspective on all of it.
1: Well, um, change, quite honestly. People... Are um, experiencing sports differently, um, and hockey, the NHL, and every other sport um, has to has to recognize that. And ha- you have to go where um, your fans are, go where your consumers are. You know, these are all these do take me back. We may execute them differently, but but it really takes me back to the fundamentals of building relationships. Yeah and building communities and that that's what these teams are and um yeah i think all of you know the list you just had they'll they'll all have different levels of impact but ultimately it's all about um if you will um hearts and minds and and our ability through sport to give people a sense of community and You know, I think one of the things we've seen coming out of the pandemic is there's just tons of pent up demand also for the for the live experience and for the social interaction and 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 being part of something that you believe in versus all the other challenges we put around us in the world of things that divide us. That's the joy of what we get to do. And boy, is it powerful. Well,
0: that would be a great way to end, but I'm not going to let you off the hook that quickly because that was prophetic. Uh, your kid, Ted, he's at UMass Amherst. I see that he, unless you've talked him out of it, is studying sports management. Is he going to follow in your footsteps?
1: Well, he's going to he's gonna go in his own footsteps, I assure you. He's <laughs> actually now four years he's been uh, working for the Seahawks. So, um you know, uh, he's he's doing great, learning a ton, obviously a great organization. Um, I kind of joke, he, he really never had to pay for a ticket or a piece of sports equipment. So sports management had to be his path. But um, obviously, I'm a, a proud dad of all that he's accomplishing.
0: And you should be what over the last 30 years would you have done differently?
1: Wow. 60 minutes question. You're on the clock. Uh, You know, I don't, part of it is, you know, I, as I mentioned earlier, I feel exceptionally blessed. Um, You know, I've been a bit of a gypsy and that's, that's really enriching. And I think my family, uh, Ted, my daughter, Kate, Um, who's here in St. Louis and doing great in the start of her career. And, um, you know, my wife, Emily, um, who we do a lot of things together. Um, She's had a huge impact. There are certainly times when I think, boy, maybe I could have had a few less moves and maybe um, that would have been easier on my family. So um, that's really about the only one. But again they've they've been incredibly supportive and enabling me to to follow this journey
0: but i'm sure emily and kate and ted would point to your diverse resume and said you can't have it both ways if you're going to do this diverse resume you got to be a gypsy a little bit and i'm sure she is and they are incredibly supportive i have one other issue that i'm a little frustrated with so I looked at the bio, I know a lot of it, but just to make sure I didn't miss anything. But coming up first on the Google uh, world, as a Chris Zimmerman, is the conductor of the Fairfax Symphony, not you. Does it bother you that you're number two?
1: Um, well, I, fortunately I don't Google myself that often. So uh, <laughs> I, I wasn't aware, but now I may may see if I can find somebody who can help me with that. Um, yeah, well, I'm pretty, listen,
0: I'm pretty sure that knowing that Chris Zimmerman, that one, uh, it's going to take too long to take music and conducting lessons. You've got another project you're going to be doing in the future. I know the current situation is to build the Blues and its organization to the best possible organization you possibly can be. And I am honored to call you a friend. Good luck in the future, and I really appreciate
1: it. Yeah, no, thank you. This has been fun. Um, it's it's. Um our lives and certainly my life in the world of sports has been a great gift. So it is fun to, to think about. So thanks very much.
0: Chris Zimmerman gives us really good perspective on all of this, as we head into not only the NHL season in a month or two, but the FedEx cup at the end of the week, the the sports tech minute uplift labs. They raised an additional two and a half million in seed round funding. They joined by Seth Curry, David DeCastro and others on top of the $3 million it had raised in January. The technological company uses two iPhones, and soon just one, to generate 3D motion to capture both elite athletes and general health and wellness patients. The NBA included it in the league's inaugural cohort of startups in its Launchpad program, and a half-dozen MLB clubs and Golf Tech are also users. Worked with a project with L.A. Football Club, in connection with Verizon 5G Labs and the Global Sports Venture Studio with UEFA, co-founded and led by a CEO who's entrepreneurial, the president, former president of Tesla Japan, Uplift now received about eight and a half million in local investment, and included basketball players Mark Gasol, Renee Montgomery, and others. How about gaming? Kroger stores on fast-growing pre-approval list for gambling kiosks for the Ohio Lottery. An updated list shows about 85 local establishments have now received pre-approval to host sports gambling kiosks. The majority are bars and restaurants, but also bowling alleys and now a grocer. The approval of the Ohio Lottery Commission, the first step local businesses have to go through to get sports betting in their establishments. They'll also need to get approval from a Type C license from the Ohio Casino Control Commission, which will use the lottery's recommendation to determine whether to allow businesses to partner with a larger sports betting company to install kiosks there. According to the Ohio Lottery Commission, Kroger stores in the area of Centerville, Fairburn, Miamisburg, and other cities have been pre-approved. Multiple requests for comment sent to Kroger, not returned, but they're in the middle of business deals. Obviously, to generate more revenue, they'll be okay. That's your Sports Gaming Minute. And finally, as we do every week, sports tech, good sports, philanthropy. The Houston Texans and 50 Cent partner up on premium beverages and philanthropy. The 50-50 jackpot, now presented by the G-Unity Foundation, which empowers children and youth in America's cities to develop confidence, strength, and skills to win in life. According to a team statement, $8 million gift launches athletics capital renovations and expansions at Lehigh University. The new indoor facility will house a roughly 94,000 square foot turf field able to accommodate full scale training for all Lehigh field sports, lacrosse, soccer, field hockey and football. Sports Philanthropy Network launches NIL for Good program to assist college students launched the launch of its platform this week, and it empowers athletes to select the causes and geographic focus of the impact. Some athletes choose their hometowns, college communities, some able to select causes elsewhere in the world. An incredibly interesting perspective. Streaming viewership passes cable for the first time ever in July. This is a big deal. 34.8% Thirty-four point eight percent of all viewing time, barely eking past cable at thirty-four point four percent. But the return of major events like FIFA at the end of the major league baseball season and the return of the NFL gives TV a boost. But even those staples are starting to transition to steam uh, to streaming. Watch that as a big deal. And former Hoosier and longtime benefactor Terry Tallon to start his podcast series. The first podcast aired on Thursday, August eleven. Launched on talenttime.com and the website and the YouTube channel, philanthropy, perspective, and all things good. That's the show this week. We'd like to thank Chris Zimmerman for giving us not only his perspective on the blues, but Nike golf, Tiger, and everything entrepreneurial. I'd like to thank Nick Nielsen for putting the show together. I'd like to thank you for watching and listening. And join us next week as every week we go inside the $1.3 trillion business of sports. Sports professor Rick Harrow, speak with you soon.